Hi, everybody. Hi, Shana. Hey. This is Liz, and this is another episode of The Birth Nurses. How are you doing? I'm good. We've we've had, a pers- in our personal lives, we've had quite the past couple of weeks. We have. This has been a challenging week, yeah. and we move on and try to get some stuff done, yeah. and I'm very happy to be here this morning. Yeah. We're committed to providing content for our listeners. Absolutely. <laughs> Today, we are going to talk about something that I find very interesting, that I question, that I'm trying to sort of get to the bottom of, and at the same time, figure out how it impacts our patients, our patient care as nurses, and it's called HCAPS. What is HCAPS? H-caps? Well, if your nurse is listening, you know what HCAPS is and I'm sure there's probably a collective groan throughout the country. <laughs> oh, uh, HCAPS. HCAPS is Hospital Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems. It's a mouthful. And this is a series of questions that people are sent after a hospital stay to make an assessment of their hospital care, their nursing care, physician care everything that went on in their experience. It's a lot of questions. It is uh, intense. They really dive deep into your experience. So the first question that I ask myself when I look at these surveys is, what is an experience, right? Yeah. Well, and with this assessment, it's what they're trying to get is like a basic Yelp review. But it's more than that. So much more. And yeah, perhaps the questions that they ask aren't quite giving the evaluation that they need. Correct. So, so what let's do we mean it. by that? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. So HCAPS is very much tied into things like reimbursement. And we talk about reimbursement. We talk about what kind of monies the hospital receives from insurance companies, Medicare, Medi-Cal, and so on. And when your patient surveys are good, that means Mm -hmm. they score high, then you have a better reimbursement. And when your HCAP scores are poor, the hospitals get less reimbursement. And also some insurance companies can drop the hospitals entirely. This also has to do with things like bounce backs, patients that get discharged, come back infected, or uh, readmissions from skilled nursing facilities and so on and so forth. It's very much in depth. But what Shane and I really want to talk about today is what they mean, especially having to do with nursing, Mm -hmm. because that's what we're all about. Yeah. Right. And then specifically in the labor and delivery unit, do these questions 
actually apply and give a good assessment of how the person's hospital stay was. Right. So. Absolutely. Let's go through each question. Yeah. yeah. And then what. So first of all, when you get home from the hospital, it'll probably take a few weeks for you to get this letter in the mail. Maybe they send it to your email. I don't know if it's to your email, but most likely you'll get it in the mail about four to six weeks after you're discharged and you're home. And it's going to be a thick booklet. (laughs) And then they want you to mail it back. Right. So this is the scenario by which you're going to be looking at this, this big pamphlet and needing to answer the questions. Let's paint a picture. Yeah. You've just had labor. (laughs) Yes, you've just. Possibly a quick, easy labor with an easy push. Oh, that's the best case scenario. Baby latched on well. You're breastfeeding. If your breastfeeding is going well or the baby's taking whatever formula you gave without vomiting and feeling good and you're up and moving it around and I want to be out of here 24 hours. I feel great. Yeah. I've met those people. Yep. Lots of them. On the other hand, what if you had a really difficult delivery or difficult labor that ended in a surgical birth? You had a three-day stay in postpartum. You had You're a temperature. Sem- oh, gosh. You yeah. were then, preeclamptic. Yeah. You ended you up on medication or you bled. Magnesium. So we're giving a picture of the bell curve of a nice, beautiful, easy delivery, and then the delivery that was traumatic. Yeah. Okay. And both of these... Patients are going to be receiving the same pamphlet of questions. Exactly. And hoping, you know, the age caps people (laughs) are hoping that they're going to get great scores from any kind of patient. So question one is all about, well, the first four questions are all about the care that you received from your nurses. Right. So the first question is, during this hospital stay, how often did nurses treat you with courtesy and respect? The second question is, during this hospital stay, how often did nurses listen carefully to you? Number three, during this hospital stay, how often did nurses explain things in a way you could understand? That's a really interesting one. Yeah. I have to say that there's so much explaining to do mm-hmm. in the hospital spe- setting, especially in labor and delivery. And oftentimes what we explain is our knowledge of evidence-based labor and delivery, which is in direct conflict with what's happening to the labor patient who's being induced for non-medical cause. Was that the longest run-on sentence? No, that was perfect. That really gave... <laughs> like, there should be a punctuation somewhere. Yeah. Here. <laughs> right? So if you... Let's say I come into your room. Let's role play. Sure. My favorite thing. Shana, hi, I'm Liz. I'm your nurse. How are you doing? Oh, hi, I'm good. I'm having a lot of contractions right now. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, are you uh, comfortable? I guess so. It, it kind of feels like period cramps right mm-hmm. now, but is it going to get worse than this? Probably, Emmett doesn't mean that it's not going to be tolerable. It doesn't mean that you are stuck in bed. You can move, you can rock, you can walk, you can dance, you can get on your birth ball. We have lots of ways to deal with it, but your perception of pain is the story that you're going to tell me. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, so it's going to, it's probably going to get worse than this? Yes. Oh, and what can I do to like help with the pain? And can you explain 
uh, the epidural process. Right. So this is where I would break <laughs> away and make an assessment in my head whether this patient had adequate birthing education. Yeah. If she's been given evidence, because the first thing that the patient went to is, can you tell me about an epidural? Mm-hmm. Whereas I would be compelled to say, why don't we get out of bed and walk and I'll show you how to use the birth ball. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about if you're having back labor. We'll talk about warm water and movement and motion. And I'd go there first yeah. and try to deflect away from the epidural until that patient felt more comfortable in her environment. Yeah. Now, in the case of an induction, this question is, did you... How often did nurses How often did the things? nurses explain mm-hmm. things to you? So when you, uh, let's say you're being induced, let's role play there. So okay. Shana, hi, I'm Liz. I'm your nurse. I hear you're being induced today. Yeah, and uh, I am being induced. What can I expect for what to happen? Like what's going to well, happen? I was just wondering, why are you being induced? Um, my doctor just said that I'm ready and, and it's time. I don't really know. I don't think there's a medical reason. The baby's fine and mm-hmm. I'm fine. Okay, so this is where in my head as a labor and delivery nurse, I'm groaning <laughs> because my patient is missing a huge piece of information that should have been fully and completely discussed with her obstetrician. Yeah. I mean, lots of times they are, but a fair amount of times they're not. And now I am in my little evidence-based head thinking... You have normal amniotic fluid. Your placenta looks healthy. Your baby's in the right position. Your blood pressure's normal. Mm-hmm. And you're 39 weeks. Mm-hmm. So, of course, what am I thinking? Let's send this lady home. Right. Why does she have to be here? In the bubble above my head, it's like, run! Yeah. Right? Um, now, I understand that there is a particular way of delivering information to the patient. Yeah. Like, do you want to be induced or do you know the risk benefit of being induced? That can actually get the nurse in some hot water right. for bringing up some really important teaching tools. Yeah. Then the patient might say to the doctor, or if the doctor says, well, why didn't you get induced? Well, the nurse said I didn't need to. Right. Uh-oh. Perception. Now the doctor could be upset with the nurse who, per, you know, explained mm-hmm. that the patient was healthy and baby was healthy and spontaneous labor is um, a root correlation for low intervention birth. And she doesn't want all the tubes and bells and whistles and medication. And it isn't a different story when the patient says, my doctor and I fully discussed this. Yeah. I understand the risk of benefit. I am done being pregnant. I am comfortable with my decision. Please let's start. I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. Okay, I know let's that go. this is going to take one to three days. Right. Yeah. Like she is aware and she has give, given informed consent. She has been yeah. given informed consent. Best case scenario for me because, you know, I really can't have a dog in that race because I have done everything that I can as a nurse to yeah. make sure that my patient is consented well. So when that patient gets the HCAP survey the nurse really does have to make sure that they explained everything in detail. Pills, IVs, injections, starting an IV, the medication used to induce, all of that stuff. 
but the experience overall is going to affect the HCAP score, how she, their outcomes. Yeah. The great nursing care, but it ended up being a long labor. I ended up having surgical birth. I had a fever. My baby had to be in the NICU for a week. Does that Mm -hmm. cloud or taint the HCAP score? Probably. Right? Yeah. So I always wonder how can HCAP scores benefit the hospital is maybe being unit specific. What do you think? I think that would be a much better idea because let's listen to this next question. Number four, during this hospital stay, after you press the call button, how often did you get help as soon as you wanted it? Well, you know me, I always joke and say instant gratification takes too long. (laughs) I need That's to so have true. a cookie now, <laughs> five right? minutes ago. No. Right. So this is what happens. You press the call light. 30 seconds is probably your threshold for how long you want to wait. Because if you have to go to the bathroom and the nurse had told you, you need me to help you go to the bathroom. Yeah. Especially in postpartum. We need to help you up, help you walk to the Assess bathroom. Assess your mobility. Assess, Absolutely. All those things. So when you need to go to the bathroom push the call light and we'll come and help you. Right. So we go in, we find the patient on the floor. Oh gosh. The patient fell and the patient says, nobody came. Yeah. Well, how long were you waiting? It must've been 10 minutes. Was it? Right. Uh, Or was it a minute and nobody showed up? Right. So really the question that needs to be asked is what is considered a reasonable amount of time Yes. To sit and wait for a nurse to show up. And then this is what we're going to get into now. What is the expectation of the public versus the reality of the nurse to patient ratio and what that nurse is capable of doing mm-hmm. in almost any hospital, probably across the country? Yeah. Uh, especially right now with an acute nursing shortage. So we are going to segue into those questions yeah because probably when you're when you're in labor even maybe the nurse did explain to you hey we're really busy on the unit right now you're probably not remembering that Mm -hmm. or thinking about that when you're the one experiencing your labor contractions you're trying to get through each one you don't care Mm -hmm. if there's a busy unit and there your nurse has two other patients you just want to be cared for right away which we want to give you that care we want to treat everyone like they're the only patient on the unit oh of course but is that the reality is that even possible you know the busyness i agree it's an interesting thing if a patient and i have had our you know i tend to have a fairly in-depth conversation with my patients when i um meet them and just find out what they're about read their birth plan if they have one lots of people don't they're like I just, I'm going to, I'm just going to go through this. I took a birth class or I didn't. So I'm going to, you know, take a temperature of the room and find out what they're thinking and what they want. If a patient says to me, I'm going to have an epidural and I can see that they're already uncomfortable. And I know there's three C-sections that morning and my anesthesiologist is going to be busy. We're going to formulate a plan. Yes. So that we can get your needs met before this escalates. Yes. 
And so those are the little nuances that nurses have to look at and evaluate and assess and get into their patient and their family's heads, their partner, whoever that may be, and find out what their expectations are. But patients rarely have the opportunity to hear what's going on Mm -hmm. in a present-day labor and delivery unit. Things like, were you made aware that the staffing in most hospitals is short right now. Yeah. Do you know that? And how are you going to process that? Um, did you ask if this unit was in ratio? Mm. Like, tell me a little mean? bit about yeah. in ratio. That means a standard of care set by the state of California. And mm-hmm. I have to give us a big shout out to California because we do have uh, mandated nurse to patient ratios that we're trying to strive for. Are you short staffed? Mm -hmm. Are you using an excessive amount of travelers from other States that are coming in to do relief? Do they know the unit? Um, how many nurse aides are there? We call them CNAs. Some hospitals call them nurses aides. Mm -hmm. Are there an adequate amount of nurses aides to offset the short nursing staff, like are the nurses aides going to come in and help me to the bathroom or change my help me change my baby or look after me in postpartum? Yeah. All those questions factor into what I'm able to do as an individual RN to take care of my patient. Mm-hmm. But nowhere in the HCAPS does it reflect the hospital's responsibility to provide that nurse patient care ratio. Right. Unfortunately, we've come to expect the hospital to be like a hotel. Right. Or a restaurant. Right. I ordered something, so I need it right now. Absolutely. And ideally, that would be how we operate. We we see your need as a patient who is sick or in labor, and we try to meet that need right away because you're a human being and... That's our job is to care for you. Hey, Liz, did you know that my business is called Preparented? I do. Because I want you to be 100% prepared for parenthood. I teach you classes about birth, breastfeeding, and newborn care. My specialty is helping you have an unmedicated natural birth in the hospital setting. Aren't you a lactation educator? Yeah, I'm a lactation consultant, an IBCLC. So I can go to your home if you're in Los Angeles to help you breastfeed your baby. For those of you not in Los Angeles, I also do virtual consults. We can get so much accomplished during a virtual consult. And then I have some a la carte items like a personalized pumping plan where if you're going back to work and you just need help figuring out how to pump and get a stash so that you can have enough milk to feed your baby when you're at work. I can help you navigate that whole process. I also have a text me anything membership for a month. You can text me anything, any questions you have while you're postpartum and you're figuring out that newborn life and you're exhausted and you just need a little extra mama support. You can go to my website, www.preparented.com, or my Instagram, at preparented, for funny videos featuring my family and also my silly face. You do have the best videos.
another really important thing, which is problematic throughout Los Angeles right now, is during this hospital stay, how often were your room and bathroom kept clean? Yeah. So the question that I want to ask the person that's filling out this survey is, were you made aware of the fact that there's not adequate housekeeping? We often call it environmental services to meet the needs of the unit. Right. So there may be one or two housekeepers in an entire hospital. They're taking care of all the units right in the entire hospital right and the emergency room yeah it's a it's a nightmare and think about in labor and delivery there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fluids and blood that needs to be cleaned up and just trash and trash huge amount of trash yeah yeah and so when we have transfer a patient from labor and delivery to the postpartum unit we try our best to call the environmental services right away Mm -hmm. but it could be an hour or two hours before they could clean the room. Yeah. So that could affect if our unit was really busy and you're waiting for a room to be, be available, mm-hmm. that could affect your wait time. Maybe you're waiting for an extra hour or two hours because the, the environmental services, they were cleaning the ER and didn't get a chance to clean the room. Yeah, this is a particularly problematic in night shift Yeah. all over the city. Well, and then another question is, during this hospital stay, how often was the area around your room quiet at night? We can't control if you can hear the lady screaming in the room right next to you right. at three in the morning. She's having her baby. Right. And you're going to be next <laughs> screaming. I mean, nursing <laughs> units are busy yeah. all night long. Just because it's a night nurse doesn't mean yep. patients don't require turning, right. medication, pain medication, assessments, yeah. These are med surge nurses and tele nurses and intensive care unit nurses and certainly labor and delivery. There's very little difference between night and day. Creating a calm, quiet environment for laboring patients is important, but that's not what some people are about. Right. And I've I've talked about this in earlier podcasts. Sometimes I go into a room and a patient that the shades are up. Uh-huh. There is Loud music, loud music, the patient is very high energy laboring mm-hmm. and they are moving around on that ball and dancing around on that floor <laughs> and they're, that's their thing. Yeah. And the next room can be quiet with little fake tea candles right. and Gregorian chanting and an atomizer <laughs> and you go in there and the patient, you know, puts her hand to her lips uh-huh. as to tell you not even to speak. Uh, you know. You're and like so, sign, you're doing sign language. You're doing sign language. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you okay? Because I do have to assess. Yes. So room to room is a whole other yeah. planet practically. So we try to keep the environment quiet, but it's not always going to be quiet. Again, perceptions. Mm-hmm. It took a long time for my call bell to be answered. Well, sometimes it does, yeah. but sometimes it doesn't, does it? Yeah. yeah, that's it's really hard when you're asking a new mom yeah. who, you know, six weeks postpartum with a crying newborn in her arms to fill right. out a 10 page survey. It's probably not 10 pages. It's like four pages, a four page survey and then mail it back. Find a stamp mm-hmm. for goodness sake <laughs> yeah. and then put it in the mail so even if you do have a great experience, you might not get around to doing this survey and giving the HCAPS people the answers that they that they want. I guess our message is try to 
understand that even though the hospital does its best to market, and they have very, very expensive, high-level public relations firms that they spend a lot of money, all hospitals, to get out to the public that we are going to have an environment that's hotel-like. Yeah. It's a hospital. Yeah. It's a hospital where people go who are often ill to get well and sometimes leave ill. And that's the reality of a hospital stay. So patient care advocacy, really important. I'm hoping very soon to have a good friend of mine who is a certified patient care advocate. In labor and delivery, there are doulas who are excellent patient care advocates. But just like in any profession, there are those who have not either a grasp of how a hospital has to run and what we're mm-hmm. capable of. Yeah. Um, keeping that in mind might help you get a different perspective on what your expectations are. Of course, you expect to be medicated with what we call the five rights, and that has to do with the right patient and the right time and the right medication and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. You have a right We have an obligation, of course, to keep your pain under control, to keep your environment clean and safe. Safe. And And I was just going to bring that up. Safety is If you're seeing like, you know, big cobwebs and dust bunnies, bunnies, like (laughs) all over your hospital floor. And, you know, like this is where your baby's going to be born. Like, okay, that's an issue. Or I worked at a hospital before where there were cockroaches. Yeah. And that's it's like, is that the nurse's fault? Right, it's like the the hospital's really old, but it's gross. You don't want to see a cockroach. When well, you're I in would labor, say but... you know how what a crazy OCD clean freak I am, yep. and every few years, especially if it's a rainy season, somebody will show up in my house, and I freak <gasps> out, and automatically, yeah, it's like there's roaches. It's like, well, is there? <laughs> it's oh like goodness. okay, but we're talking about gross, obviously yes. negligence. Yes. Uh, adjusting your view yeah. and you're trying to get a job, you know, sort of a wide perspective, a gestalt, an overview, mm-hmm. the big picture of what happened, keeping in mind that I can't be the nurse that I could be 20 years ago mm. or even 30 years ago. Gosh, Shana, 35 years Ooh. ago at this point. Um, you look not a day over 29. Not a day over 29. <laughs> Just keep telling me that. Um, and that we have a different scenario out there in the nursing world. And we're trying to keep a lot of plates in the air. Yeah. And we want to get to you. So you've got to plan accordingly with your nurse, have a patient care advocate, mm-hmm. a family member that you can sit and talk about the area standards of care. What happens when there's a deviation from that standard of what Mm -hmm. the expectation is, that your environment is at the very least neat, clean, tidy? Yeah. I mean, I empty my own garbage every day at work. That's awesome. I know patients and other nurses will roll their eyes at that, but I can't stand overflowing garbage. It bugs me. (laughs) And so it's just easy for me to tie it up and throw it in front of the housekeeper's Mm -hmm. trash door because I don't have a key to it a special room in there. I don't know what's going on in there other than a trash chute, <laughs> but we do not have access. <laughs> and I just try to keep my environment as clean as possible after a delivery. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I even strip the bed, you That's know, awesome. and just try to clean up the extraneous 
cups of water and take lunch trays that have been eaten back. Just do what I can. I would do the same thing. Like if every time I would get on shift, clean off my computer space take out the trays. Oh my gosh, we're crazy know? about that, aren't we, in labor and delivery? You are on our Organize unit. Organize the, the cords, all the wires, Ugh. and untangle everything because for safety, if you need to unplug everything Absolutely. right away, you need it to be untangled to do that. Yeah, Bringing fresh blankets, you know, taking out the the trash and the dirty blankets. Yeah, Your nurse and has a ton of tasks to yeah. do on top of nursing assessments, medications, yeah. drugs, pain control, you know, yeah. it's, it's huge. So and the age caps doesn't always reflect in my opinion, what happened. And it would be great yeah. if we could start taking a closer look at what that means mm-hmm. and how the insurance companies reimburse per patient experience. Yeah. And we hope it doesn't sound like we're complaining throughout this whole thing because we've been the consumer too. We've been on the other side. We've been the patients. You know, I've had uh, three babies in, well, my first one was in Palm Springs, but two babies in LA. on her baby moon. I just have to, I just have to (laughs) add that in because that story is the best. Early podcasts, you guys. But yeah, it's true. Shana's baby baby moon out of town. Oops. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So yeah, receiving these surveys in the mail, you're like, I knew it was coming because I have also been on the other side, you know, the nursing side, but I knew it was coming and got the survey. I did my best to fill it out accurately. And I think I did a, I know I gave them good scores because I enjoyed my experience. Yeah. Um, But it's kind of like, you know, anyone who fills out Yelp reviews or Amazon reviews, it's pretty skewed, right? It's either going to be the people who love their experience and they want to let other people know and shout it from the rooftops. Like I loved this restaurant. I loved whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be the people who received a broken hairdryer from Amazon or, right. you know, this shirt was so poorly made and ugly and they they put up the really negative reviews. So my nurse was exhausted. <laughs> right, she didn't like, have her head in the game. I didn't yeah. feel like she was listening to me. You know what? Those are legitimate. Sure. Those are legitimate things. And we tend to uh, avoid humanizing the nurse. Yeah. 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 We have to put so it all in the locker room and come robots. out happy and smiling and making your experience the best that it can be. And I think we do a pretty good job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator, and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high-risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high-risk mom. 
and getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety. And a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. It's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery, I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my OB and I what don't does understand. This mean? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. In no way are we suggesting that you should falsify any information right away. If it was a poor experience, the scores really do reflect in a lot of ways how we can do better, keeping in mind that these are difficult times and the nursing shortage is real. Actually, there isn't really a nursing shortage. There's a shortage of nurses willing to... Mm work in the environments that we have to work in for the compensation that most area hospitals are offering and and benefits. And that's a whole other can of worms that we'll discuss. But there is a shortage of nurses on the unit in every department, not just labor and delivery. And that we're trying to keep a lot of plates in the air and we want everyone to keep that in mind. Yeah. I think a couple other suggestions I had along with the HCAPs being unit specific is to consider the culture of the nursing staff. So I've worked at two different hospitals. The first hospital, the culture was very much like, just get it done. It doesn't matter if it's messy. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if like, you know, you hurt somebody's feelings, you know, even the patient's feelings, just get it, get your tasks done. Right. And the second hospital where I worked with you, Liz, it was very much like, no, we're striving for excellence. We want our patients to feel cared for. We want them to feel like queens. Mm -hmm. We want them to feel like we are doing our best to serve them, to accomplish their goals for birth, their birth wishes, and to give them a great experience and to keep them safe and save their life or their baby's life if needed. Um, And then taking into consideration the busyness of the unit, I think, comes into play and I think nurses perform better when they feel cared for by their supervisors and managers absolutely so being you know having regular check-ins how are you doing you know how's how's the culture of the nursing staff do you feel overworked do you feel overwhelmed how can we help you as a nurse to um to like coming to work so that you will do a great job. And, and I'm, I'm much more cut and dry about this at this point, which is the fun of having you and I separated by (laughs) a few decades is that I believe that adequate staffing is the key to the, uh, 
nirvana. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, for it, sure. Adequate yeah. staffing that is well-trained, yep. recruiting and retaining the best talent that you can get, yeah. an adequate program of intercepting new graduates. Um, that has to do with everything. So if a nursing unit is lacking good management, good administration, then it all comes tumbling down. Yep. And that is a fact that I can stand behind with all my heart and soul. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we want everyone to know that nurses everywhere right now in this climate are overworked, stressed, exhausted, obviously in the last couple of years, sometimes ill, sometimes repetitively. And um, we do care and we want to give the best quality nursing care. Yes. But in my opinion, this is just one nurse's opinion. Well, two nurses opinions. <laughs> we're not a hotel. Yeah. We're a hospital. And that is how we're functioning when we're holding on as best we can in this climate. Yeah. So yeah, overall, when you're thinking about customer service, um, it's going to be different. Keep it in two separate categories, hospital, and then hotel or restaurant or whatever yeah. else you receive customer service in. It's going to be different. Yeah. We do hope to give you the best care and treat you with courtesy and kindness. Absolutely. Definitely. But, um, yeah. You know, you know, it's a funny thing. In my classes, somebody almost always says, what if I don't like my nurse? And uh -huh. it cracks me up. I uh -huh. like literally, I, I fall over laughing because... And what I say back to them, because it's a pretty intimate setting birth class, you know, you know what I mean? Like I know we get to know them. them I was actually laughing. just talking to one of my birth students who, uh, you know, I, I talk to them, you know, ongoing throughout the rest of their pregnancies, questions, uh -huh. blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, we can do a switch of nurses if uh -huh. it's possible, but just letting you know, it doesn't go the same for us. Right. Like what if the nurse doesn't like her patient? <laughs> can I be like, sorry, can I uh, switch patients? We can't. It's like <laughs> this patient's partner snaps his fingers oh, at me God. and I want to stab him with a fork <laughs> in his forehead. But I can't say that to anybody. No, no, no. But my very best friends. In, we keep it inside it. thoughts. Those inside are the inside. Thoughts. I've been seeing that on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, the These are the thoughts. inside thoughts. Yeah. We don't there always have outside to say thoughts our inside thoughts. thoughts. Exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. We have a, you know, we have a, a community in our neck of the woods uh, here in Los Angeles that um, is, uh, has a very high expectation of customer service. And sometimes I think people forget that when you decide to have your baby in a hospital setting, that you're having your baby in a hospital setting. Yep. And I mean, five and a half months ago, I was with a client who, as a doula client, I'd been with three of her births. This was her fourth. And at 36 weeks, I've talked about Sunny. She's been mm -hmm. a guest. She said, I want a home birth. So I had to kind of flip the switch and we found Davy the midwife. Yep. A lot of you may know her out there. She had an and awesome we experience. had a home birth. And yeah. at home, this was her domain, man. Yeah. She could do whatever she, she had the wanted. best customer service <laughs> she at home. Great customer service. <laughs> there was somebody, three people in on her birth. Yeah. And every single need was tended to until she pushed that baby out in her bathtub. Amazing. And so, um, yeah, I think that we made our point. H caps, yep. scores, are they? 
a true reflection of the experience or is perception and what's happening on the unit as a whole, are those kinds of things going to be relevant to the patient's answers? Right. And is it fair for the insurance companies to base reimbursement just on HCAPs? Great questions. And if you Hmm. guys have any proposals for a better way for this whole system, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us. You can find us on Instagram, DM us. And we want to hear your point of view. If you have delivered in the hospital, what was it like? Did you have a good experience? Did you have a bad experience? What were the outcomes of your birth that possibly affected your experience? And let us know. And maybe we can share some of those things in a future episode. But we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we our goal is to make nursing better and specifically labor and delivery nursing better for our patients. Absolutely. So. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.